This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. It's Wednesday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 80 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week, as always, it is Gavin J. Baxter and the one and only Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. After all the hysteria, the league and cup treble is back on. You can't see me right now, but I'm stone cold Steve Austining my cans right now. Steve Austin would absolutely be all over a pair of non-alcoholic Copperbergs. In his older age, he absolutely would. Absolutely. Um, let's just add one as well, I think, there, because it's a week that saw the return of Graeme Shinney and the arrival of Patrick Mislovich to the Dons that saw Paul Hartley take the reins at Cove again with a return that even Vincent Kennedy McMahon might have blushed at that saw Lee Johnson keep his job at Easter Road despite his desperate attempts to work his ticket, and that saw calls for mandatory drug testing of radio pundits reach new levels in the aftermath of Alan Preston's particularly wild takes on Saturday evening. It is another fairly busy one here on the ABZFP as we take a look back over our win, yes, our win over St Johnston on Saturday afternoon. We'll take our usual look at the latest news from the club, this week before we take a look at how our loanies got on in Lone Watch. And shocker, there's a good one in here this week. Like I say, it's a spicy one. It is a spicy one, a spicy meatball. We'll check in with the women's team as they return to action in the Scottish Women's Cup after their winter break. And after the break, here it will be the return of Jeff's Music Corner and we'll preview our via play. Via play? Have we decided what it is yet? It's via play, isn't it? Via play. League Cup, semi-final at Hamden next Sunday. But first... Aberdeen 2, St Johnston 0, Saturday the 7th of January 2023 in the SPFL Premiership. At the home of football, Pataudry Stadium, Graham Shinney, the one change to the starting 11 from the goalless draw against Dross County last time out. Straight into the team after his arrival on loan from Wigan on Thursday. That's right, the second coming of Maradona at number 10, Christian Ramirez dropping out after that experiment failed last time out. The Dons... Sticking with the 4-2-3-1 system, Shinny and Ramadani operating as the double pivot with Leighton Clarkson moving forward into the number 10 role tucked in behind Bojan Miofsky. And a fairly bright opening for the Don. So Miofsky played in after a cute back heel from Clarkson after a fine driving run from defence by Liam Scales, but Miofsky's effort was weak and straight at Matthews in the Saints' goals. Miofsky threw again shortly afterwards, chasing down a lovely clip ball from Scales, but Matthews just beating him to it before Duke then got on the end of a McCrory cross 
which he headed just wide. The Dons probably should have had the lead on 20 minutes. Stewart getting up well to high and deep Kennedy corner at the back post, his header back across goal, arriving at scales, but he just didn't quite get full connection on his header, allowing former son of Pataudry, Bankery's finest, Andrew Considine, to clear. Great work by Graham Shinney on the main stand, touchline to win the ball back and win a foul off of Graham Carey, led to the Dons thinking that they had taken a deserved lead. A well-worked free kick, drilled in short by Clarkson, finding Duke, and he rolled the defender and finished well beyond Matthews before VAR intervened to pull it back with it appearing that the Cape Verdean was offside by the smallest of margins when the free kick was taken. Miofsky threw again on 38 minutes, but his lobbed effort just didn't quite have the height on it required and Matthews managed to grab at the second attempt. Miofsky then, with the pick of his chances just before halftime, another long ball misjudged by the Saints' defence, but once again... While one-on-one with Matthews, Miofsky's low effort lacked conviction and was easily stopped by the Saints keeper. Halftime, 0-0. And into the second half, it's fair to say the Dons a little bit slower to get going here as many of us start to fear a repeat of the Ross County game earlier in the week before an Ilba Ramadani effort from a half-cleared corner seemed to spur the Dons into some action. A double switch by Jim Goodwin on the hour mark saw Bajowin and Hayes enter the fray in place of Miofsky and Kennedy. That's the Irishman making his 310th appearance in a red shirt, which moves him tied 25th on the all-time appearance list, tied now with the one and only Neil Simpson. And a great breakaway by Bajewin was suddenly brought to halt by a strange decision by the referee to pull the play back, despite the Dons having a clear advantage, which meant we got all nostalgic with a vintage remonstration with the referee by asserting Graham Shinney in the aftermath of this one. The Dons, though, Finally getting the breakthrough on 74 minutes, a long ball up the park from Roos, causing all sorts of bother to the Saints' back line once again. Bajowin showing great strength to hold off Mitchell before playing a lovely flick into the path of Duke, who prodded home from about 12 yards. And it was two, just 10 minutes later, Hayes' corner met by Duke, nodding home to seal the points. A late set sub saw Ramirez and Duncan come on for Clarkson and Duke before Barron replaced Shinny in the last minute. But all in all, a much improved performance by the Dons, a much needed win. The Dons end their winless run after the World Cup break, remaining in fourth spot, but closing the gap on Hearts in third to three points after the Jambos drop points at St Mirren. In terms of the hashtag data, possession 55% to the Dons, 45 to the visitors, 16 shots to 10, seven on target for the home side, one on target for the visitors. Expected goals, 1.1 for the Dons to 0.51 for St. Johnson. So, gents, after that one, our first win of the calendar year, our first win since the return after the World Cup break. Your general thoughts just on that one yesterday? It's nice to get a win, isn't it? Almost forgotten what that felt like. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, well, I, I was going to say the pressure's building, the pressure still remains, in my opinion. Not really sure this really changes much. It just maybe tempers it down a little bit, but... Yeah, really important that we just get back to, well, I was going to say winning ways. That implies we were in winning ways. Needed to get the points and just try and keep us in the hunt for that that third spot. So some bits of the game, you know, maybe not too keen on some stuff that wasn't great. But overall, probably the first time in a few weeks, even at halftime, I could genuinely say we, we've been the better team. That You know, we were, we were competing and causing the problems, which we've not done for the last couple of games so that was encouraging and just really good to get over the line and actually get the point it would have been a real shame had we not got something out of that game because we absolutely deserve to well my initial thought is one of astonishment that a team with stevie may leading the line has only managed to convert one shot on target of 10 but i'll have to take you for your word on that one 
Um, much like Graham, um, I thought that it was a much better performance, a much better shape, uh, the right kind of personnel in each position. Um, I thought we controlled the game very well. Not going to lie, as we were getting to minutes 65, 70, I was kind of fearing, like you said, a repeat of the Ross County uh, result. And, you know, sometimes there's no club that's better than taking the, the feel-good out of feel-good factor like Aberdeen. We're all, you know, buzzing with the the signing, the re-signing of, of Graham Shinney back to Aberdeen and excitement about seeing Mislovic potentially soon. And it was kind of just teetering out and could have been easily a nil-nil. But thankfully, we made the changes and get that little bit of fortune, little bit of final product that we needed. And from there on, it looked like was only one team that was going to win. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think much of St. Johnston anyway. And their performance, I think we've seen that on St. Johnston Twitter. They weren't happy either. But like Graham says, important to get the result and give us some kind of momentum going into the rest of the league campaign and obviously the semi-final next weekend. Absolutely. I mean, both of you touched on it. A much improved performance, I think, on the whole. Um, and it really, it could have been probably five or six, I think, looking back on the highlights last night. At the time, at the ground, I didn't necessarily think it was as comfortable as that. But watching the highlights back, I think five or six probably wouldn't have actually flattered us. I don't think it probably would have been a fair reflection of how the game went. I agree. We, sh- we could have had, we definitely could have had more than the two we got. And it probably, it should have been more comfortable than it was. And by that, I mean, yeah, 2-0, we were always really in control of that game. But the longer it goes and you don't get your reward for your domination, like Gavin was saying, you think, uh, we've been here before. So the game should have been more comfortable and ultimately ended up being. So the good thing would be we were creating chances. The disappointing thing is Miofsky didn't convert any of them. And there was one in particular that I think he really should have done. The one where he sort of chased down the punt and that lobbed effort was... He did really, really well to get as far as he, he got with that chance. So I'm not critical of that. But the one where he was through, he really should have been putting that into the net. It's pretty poor effort to not finish that. Yeah, if Boyan Miofsky had brought Boyan Miofsky's shooting boots and not, I don't know, the shooting boots of... Stevie May. Stevie May, for example. If a name comes to mind. Um, yeah, we're two, two up at least. I think I didn't realise in the, in the red shed how clear-cut a chance it was for Liam Scales from the corner. He should have definitely yeah. scored from that one. Yeah. Um, you know, we're unlucky with the offside. It's very, it's, you know, extremely marginal. It's one of those ones where the, the two lines are barely crossing uh, on VAR. I think without VAR, it's given, isn't it? It's, it's so marginal, it's given. Yeah, I mean, it, it was given at the ground. The, 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 the South Stand linesman hadn't flagged for it, so... Yeah, that's it. And if we scored that early on, I think we could potentially go on and have another 3-4, 5-0 victory. Mm-hmm given how poor and how little threat St. Johnston posed. But yeah, that's, that's going to say. I think, yeah. Um, the satisfying thing is we were, crea- we were creating chances and we carried on right to the very end. And, you know, it could have been more comfortable for sure. It feels like it's probably time to talk about Boyan Miofsky now, isn't it? Um, no goals now for Miofsky since we returned from the World Cup break. He certainly missed, as we just said there, at least one really good chance, possibly two. I think the first one he really sclaffs at as well. I think the lob was a lot more of a difficult opportunity, but there's an argument to say he could have walked away with a hat-trick on, on Saturday. And I think Miofsky pre-World Cup break potentially does walk away with a hat-trick there. I mean, are we just seeing a striker here just going through a real dip in confidence and that's all that this is? And it's one of these classics that, you know, he just needs a goal. How that arrives is almost irrelevant. It could be a classic off the back of your head, Darren Mackey from an Alan Combe throwout type goal is what he needs just to get going back again. 
the good thing about this one with St. Johnston is that it did feel like he was actually getting into positions and getting chances for himself. Um, you know, I can't really think of him having a clear cut opportunity since we've come back from the World Cup. If I'm yeah, honest. exactly. That's a very fair point. Um, so in that sense, you know, he's he's make he's getting himself into the right spaces. He's gambling where he needs to and making good runs and behind the defenders. But I mean, his his overall game is quite lacking. You know, his um, his hold up player right now is Ramirez esque. It's not unfair to say, yeah. In my view, um, I think I think that is what it is. I think it is a striker just lacking confidence, um, and I think he'll come good at some point, certainly. But um, the immediate issue is that we've got a very very important game coming up on Sunday, and we can't afford to carry any passengers. So I think there's a very real decision for the manager to make about who leads the line against Rangers at Hamden. We, we're going to come out of the Rangers preview shortly, but Graham, what do you think? So I, I put out to the kind of the solar system before we joined tonight as well, just asking for people to give us anything that they want us to talk about tonight. And this is one of the things that has come up quite a bit, Graham, is about what do we do with Miofsky now? You know, do we bench him to go in against um, Scotland's newest top flight team next Sunday at Hamden? Or do you still have to have him in there because he is capable of converting chances? We're just not quite seeing it right now. I think it's really difficult. And I was uh, was thinking back, you know, obviously we're focusing on him. He's not scored since we've come back from the World Cup. But sort of mitigating factors are the team has been poor and or shit in most of those games. So I don't think he's been getting the opportunities or we've been, you know, take like the Celtic game, for example, we weren't allowed out of our own half. So he wasn't getting any chances in that game. So I think for some of them, there's an element of, for whatever, what was working with the team, and therefore providing him with chances pre-World Cup wasn't happening post-World Cup. So there's an element of the team performance. But Saturday, uh, yeah, Saturday was probably the first game that he had clear-cut chances himself that he'd either created or had been created for him and didn't take them. So I think that is worrying. But I felt, like Gavin said, his overall play, he's almost felt like he was trying to do a cute trying too hard. Like in a turn. Yeah, it's just... He's like trying too much, which is a sign of a player lacking confidence. I think there's a bit, yeah, well, that probably is the reason because obviously you're desperate for somebody to come off. So, you know, you're sort of, feels like you're pulling your weight or you get people off your back. But someone needs to take them aside and say, you don't always need to be looking for a cute little touch yeah. around the corner. Whatever. There were times where he had an opportunity to just take that ball down. So just take it down, do the simple stuff, get us into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, the, the flip side is you don't want to discourage and or coach out of him the stuff that was making him so exciting before the, the split yeah. or the, the break, rather. So I don't know. I feel like benching him's not a bad idea, but what do you do in terms of carrying some sort of threat on Sunday? That's kind of where I'm struggling because I don't see, I don't really see who you replace him with, unless obviously you change up your shape again. But we've had the old tactical debate for quite some time now. So I, I feel like, Maybe by default, he ends up starting. I guess one of the things you could do, and again, we'll talk about the preview about next week later on. One thing you could do is you could move Duke to the centre and you could put Johnny Hayes in the left wing. And that would allow you to at least have somebody who matches up to Tavernier in particular um, from a pace perspective up and down the line, which I think is going to be critical at Hamden on Sunday anyway. We'll come at the preview later on. That's one option, but there's still that part of me thinks that I still think you want to carry some sort of threat at the top end of the park. And Duke is Duke and Duke carries that threat, but at the same time, having two players who carry threat is better than just having one. And Yeah, that, that's why I think it's a more offensive setup to have him playing. And although his form's not great, he's 
you know, you don't become a bad player. So he's not suddenly become a bad player. He's a good player. He's not playing particularly well. Having said that, the team generally hasn't played particularly well over the last few weeks. So as much as Saturday wasn't anywhere near the level we've seen from him and or need from him, I don't really think there's a viable alternative that isn't yeah. negative, basically. What I'd put to that is that if we set up in in Glasgow the way I suspect we're going to set up, which is to be very, very solid and very, um, you know, more more about stopping Rangers playing rather than carrying a threat ourselves. I can't see us on a bigger pitch being majorly expansive and being all guns blazing. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be much more similar to the way we played against Celtic. And we can go into whether that's right or wrong, you know, another time. But in a game like that, potentially you're only getting one or two chances. Who do you want taking that chance right now? Do you want Duke or do you want Miofsky? It's a very good point as well, Gaff. It really is. It's a it's a conundrum. Definitely going to next week. The, the only thing, we'll move off Miofsky quickly um, just now, but the other thing I would say is, and um, you guys picked up on it, you know, since we've come back from the World Cup break, I can't think of a clear-cut opportunity Miofsky's missed until sat- until Saturday. Um, it does talk to perhaps the formation, the 4-2-3-1 suits Miofsky. We'll get more out of him with the 4-2-3-1 because I think you're going to create more opportunities for him because you have players around him creating opportunities who are closer to him. You have got proper width on the pitch. You've got overlapping fullbacks a lot of the time as well, getting up the line. I think the system plays better for Miofsky as well than the 3-5-2 did. So I think that's an interesting part of this, which is why I'm convinced he will hit the goal trail again. He just needs something to go for him. Let's keep talking about the system, though, because that's the second clean sheet in a row now. Um, There has to be some credit given to the back line, I think, here, because we've certainly looked a lot more solid at the back since we shifted back to the back four. I think we've been somewhat helped by the fact that neither Ross County or Saints really came and really tested us but I felt it on Saturday similar to the Ross County game that when we had to do defensive work as a whole the defensive unit did their job the biggest thing that helped us was facing Stevie May (laughs) (laughs) that always makes things easier has your defence pretty much usually deck chairs out (laughs) (laughs) Um, well I mean I think there's definitely merit in the idea that you know we've been helped defensively by two teams that have come very much to uh, to get a point and anything else is a massive, massive bonus for them. I think, you know, we, we were talking about this uh, on Twitter in, in the week when we made the signings of Graham Shinney in particular and people maybe suggesting that Shinney and Mislovic are not the priorities. We should be going for central defenders. But what I've put to that is that we will benefit from having a better defence higher up the pitch, which is not going to put so much pressure on the defence. So I think for so many games now with Ramadani and Barron and uh, Clarkson in the middle, all good players, but you know, we've been overrun in midfield. Um, no doubt about it with Graham Shinney and your team with, combined with Ramadani. Absolutely no way that's going to happen. Uh, so I didn't think that St. Johnson had the ability to pass the ball as easily around our back line as mm-hmm. other teams have, have had. Cause you know, Shinney's going to go and chase the ball all day long until he pulls up the cramp eventually. So I think that's, that's definitely a bonus. But all in all, I thought Scales, thought Stuart, defensively wise, you know, did their work very, very well. Ross McCrory was there to mop up any any danger. Hayden Coulson was fine. Um, yeah, I mean, Kelrus could have frankly come out there with a, a lazy boy and a cigar if you wanted to. That's probably fair. I, they weren't really put under pressure, but obviously that's what you want. And an element of them not being put under pressure is, like Gavin said, maybe a better screen in front of them. So overall... Yeah, if anything they had to deal with, they dealt with. Um, 
if I was really nitpicky, which I'm going to, there's a couple of times where Kel, if you don't mind catching the ball, you're like seven odd foot. He's obviously not, but he's a big unit and don't just punch everything. And I don't understand the scales and roosts routine. Oh, here we go. Well, we somebody <laughs> somebody asked us to talk about it. So I, gen- talk I genuinely, I'm not trying to be. Like, I don't, I don't get. It, but I was get. I know it's petty, but I was getting really, really annoyed with it. I, I can't see what the point of oh. pass it around, put yourself under pressure. Roost, roost puts out the pitch. Even more bizarre is now this thing. It, it reared its head for the first time against Ross County. Is it goal kicks? Roost tossing the ball to Scales to take a goal kick. Scales takes it short to Roost and. More often than not, Roos just shells up the park. And it's like, what is the fucking point of this? If you're just going to shell it, Roos could just shell it. I don't understand what we're doing. And then, more more curiously, I like to know, why does he never toss it to Stuart? Well, (laughs) I think we probably know. Um, That's not fair. Stuart can shell it. Stuart should only be allowed to shell it. I would find Stuart if he tried to play football, if I was in charge of that Can you score an own goal from a goal kick? Mm, Don't. Don't jinx it. Maybe that's why. That's I remember that question. time. Look at that. Was it a really windy day, and Brown took a goal kick, and it didn't come back at him to the point where he was flapping. It was really. <laughs> I think it was a Batodri. Yeah, yeah goal kick, and it did. The ball did start to it start hang up in there and come him. back towards him. That, to be fair, it could have just been as a result of the gravitational force field <laughs> surrounding <laughs> Jason Brown. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> Hashtag just saying. Um, there was one moment in the second half, in the first half, I think it was the way they tried this and. It did, get, it did look a little bit suicidal at one point. There was a moment where Roost had decided to turn back on himself and pass the ball backwards to Stuart because Roos had advanced to the 18-yard box. And it might be Stevie May nearly nipped in. And it was like, what are we doing? I don't understand this. We're well on top in this game. We're so in control of it. It would have been the most Aberdeen thing in the world for this to happen. If anyone out there can explain what we're doing, I'd love to hear it. It's, because it, it's innovation. We're not meant to know what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, an think, odd one. I'm think, looking forward to seeing it at Hamden next week. I think what I'm it not. is is that because I mean, this is me like trying throwing up a theory. You know, that's all this is. I think the thinking is he tosses it to Scales, who gives it back to Roos, who can then advance forward a little bit and then shell it. But scales could just advance a bit further and shell it. If well, Scales, Scales is all about the. the Curve on the on the ball, yes. but, yeah, but, but scales although, has although, a track record of picking a out a teammate. Although Graham did put the uh, commentator's curse on the sheet, yeah, on, um, <laughs> on Liam Scales' uh, long balls. Um, but, but yeah, because Bruce's his kicking's not it's not nearly as good as some people like to make out. But he can get distance on the ball, so I don't really know why he needs to gain that extra like, six yards or whatever. I don't know. It's so odd. I don't understand it. Um, See, while I'm having a moan about petty gripes, can I have another one? Yeah, on you go. The absolute state of our throw-ins. Oh, fuck yeah. But, right. I, I, I agree with this, but tell you what, this is not a new phenomenon. <laughs> no, I, I know, I know, but I'm just to the point where I'm on a roll. What what, what exactly is it? Is it how long we take? Is what we do with our throw-ins? What, what is it? All of the above, it's, I think. All of the above. So, ball goes out. We're maybe on an attack. There's a bit of momentum. Opposition's caught short. So, what do we do? The attacker doesn't take it. The midfielder waddles up to pick the ball up, to then give it to McCrory or the defender who's come all the way up the pitch. What Have a wee look around to make sure that we're all marked up by the opposition <laughs> and then just chuck it to the opposition. Absolutely horrific. I, I, I honestly think for as long as I've gone at Pataudry, 
I can never remember us being particularly. That is fair. This is not a criticism like, of Goodwin or the current team. I don't know if it's in. I don't know, like the rule book, Aberdeen must just wait until the opponents have marked you up before you take your throw. You look at other teams, yeah, I know. get the ball, go for it. Even if it's just almost like back the way to keep the ball moving, keep it in play. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. We'll just wait until the opposition's put <laughs> themselves back in their defensive shape and then we'll see what we're going to do. Are they okay? Are they comfortable? Are they warm enough? <laughs> and then we'll maybe just take the throw. It's really, really annoying me. And then everyone's marked up and then we just stand like statues. Pretty much. Like there was one point where I thought the referee was going to take the ball off McCrory and give it the other way because he'd taken so long. He was just literally standing there with his hands in the air at the ball, making sure everyone's marked up. I know, like. I know exactly when that is. That's after we go 1-0 up. And I was convinced he was going to book McCrory for time-wasting, which would have made me fucking furious given the <laughs> shenanigans St. Johnston were up from about minute one. That is yeah. true. That is true. I've um, never seen that official before and I hope I don't see him ever again. Oh, he had a he had a weird shocker, didn't he? Like there was nothing, there was nothing which was like outrageously bad in and of itself. But there was just so many just little things that were just like, even in the first half, Cole, was it the first half? No, second half. Coulson took down a St Johnston boy on the south stand touchline. Yeah. It was it was the clearest booking I've seen all season, and he didn't book Coulson for it. And then the decision to not allow the advantage to go um, when Bajou yeah. had been fell was just scandalous. Um, and he didn't even book Shinny. Cost me money. I know. Twelve to bit. five Shinny was yeah. to get booked, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, and and then in the words of Hank Scorpio, it's the little things that make life. Exactly. Um Ross McCrory, he had a good game, I thought, right back. Yes. They picked up the sponsors man of the match. Um, we'll talk about man of the match stuff later on. Um do we think, I mean, for me it seems re- relatively obvious now. This is his certainly his short to medium term role, I think, in this system is going to be right back, I think. I don't want him there I think it's it's also mad the money we've invested in Richardson to then decide that McCrory is going to have to do some sort of job at right back but if that's what we're stuck with it's probably going to work out fine for the rest of the season Um, the reason I don't like him being there is just you see some like when he drives on from that right back position he's quite quick he's strong he's good with the ball there was a couple of times where St Johnson players couldn't catch him while we're bouncing off him then that's great, but you want him doing that from midfield so that he's getting into the box or providing su- support to the attacking players. You don't really want him doing that from defence, in my in my opinion. And the big issue for me with this is he does all that but really well. His final ball was horrific. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's part and parcel of playing for Aberdeen. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, absolutely. Mike Kennedy got a contract out of it. <laughs> he did, he did. There was one cross yesterday at the Merkland end where he just smashed it straight out of play. It was like... Again, that just seems to be part and parcel of... It does. Yeah. um, um, It's unfair to single out Ross McCrory for that particular crime. I'm not not just singling him out. I'm going to get onto it later on, but it's just to say. It's just that. It's a valid... It is a valid point, but he is more robust as a general all-round player and defender than, unfortunately, the alternative to the moment is how it would appear. So whilst it seems a bit mad that that's where we've ended up, it's probably going to get us through the rest of the season and probably isn't really going to bite us too much if he's playing in that position, I don't think. Um, when it comes to McCrory, I just want him to have a consistent role in the team somewhere. And, you know, we've managed... For me, you, you can't pass up on someone like Graham Shinney. And Graham Shinney's no. best role is in midfield, um, doing that box-to-box all-action game. Ramadan has come in. He's been a good player um, for Aberdeen. You need a more creative player. So if you want to get McCrory in the team, um, right back's what it's going to be. Right back's what it's going to be. And hopefully he can 
settle in there. And I think he's got a lot of attributes to be very good in that role. And then, you know, we'll see what happens in the summer with Graham Shinney. If we manage to get Shinney back full time, that might well be Ross McCroy's long term position. And I think he's definitely got the attributes to make a success of it. Absolutely. Let's talk about Graham Shinney then. Uh, it's almost like, Gav, you read my mind straight back into the team. Um, it kind of looked like he'd never been away, didn't it? It's kind of how it felt. Him and Ramadan, he almost looked like they've, sorry, already looked like they've set up a, struck up a good partnership. Um, all in all, uh, a decent return debut for, for Graham Shinney. Love him. Absolutely love him. So happy when we announced this. Um, only way I could have if it was permanent contract, but I suspect this is just a convenient way of getting him to Aberdeen uh, as early as possible. We can see where we are in the summer. Uh, hopefully this turns into something permanent, but yeah, love him. I know we've got reservations about players returning um, and coming back. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but uh, I've got no doubt that Graham Shane is going to be a success. And yeah, it was just um, probably just getting caught up in the traditional footballing cliches of passion and blah, blah, blah. But the way that guy reacted at the end of the game with uh, the support. That's just a guy that gets what it is to play for Aberdeen. Love him. And I'm so happy to have him back. I'd have been happy if he got booked. <laughs> <laughs> should be, uh, should clarify, Graham did have Graham Shinney uh, on a booking on his coupon. That's always a license to print money. And I think, to be fair, most people had that on their coupon yesterday, Gav, yeah. to be honest. Graham's, uh, Graham's calmed down a little bit. He's not throwing himself into tackles quite so much these days. Man, True. Who, does he, who does he think he is? Exactly. Um, no, uh, it was a good, good return. I mean, a few loose and or misplaced passes, but that's kind of always been... <laughs> he did that before his. anyway, so that's fine. And once again, every one of our players was trying to find touch at some point yesterday. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I think him and Ramadan, I think, will work well. In some respects, they're similar, as in they're pretty tenacious and they put in a decent shift. But I feel like they're, you know, Shinny's maybe... Well, he's probably more likely to vacate his position and take the ball forward, which is fine because I don't really think we carry much yeah. of a threat from midfield, especially if we don't have McCrory in there. And Ramadan, he's pretty switched on in terms of covering for colleagues if need be. So I, I think overall you've got that's a pretty solid pairing. And I think that's what we have been needing. And it touched on what we were talking about earlier, get a solid pairing in the midfield hopefully that takes some of the heat out of the, the, the defense because they're not always basically facing midfield runners because some of these guys will get um you know stopped before so it was it was a good start and it did look like they knew just how each other was going to mm-hmm. play you know you you wouldn't look at that and think oh that's the first time those guys have ever played together it didn't appear that way to me well especially considering they only met each other for the first time friday morning um dare i say it um it reminded me a little bit of the Shinny and he who shall not be named double pivot in the 2016-17 season in particular. Um, that was a very, very successful partnership. And there's an argument to suggest that we never really replaced either of those players when they departed the club. Um, and it feels to me that, that's a, that there's a real good balance in there. And I think the what is also quite key with the way we now set up is I think moving Clarkson into the 10 role helps a lot as well because Clarkson has the creativity, I think, to play in that position. You saw it a couple of times, well, you know, a couple of nice flicks, um, creating a couple of chances for Miofsky first half that you kind of need somebody, especially in games like that yesterday where a team comes and plays with a relatively low block against you as well who can kind of pick a pass, be a little bit inventive, 
but what it does do, I, th- I feel that since Clarkson's debut, he's had to play. You know what I mean? Like it was almost as though after he scored the Thunder Bastard against St. Mirren, he could not play the following week. And I know the following week we struggled against Motherwell with a midfield three, I think, that day of um, McCrory, Ramadani, Clarkson. And it feels that we've always been trying to shoehorn Clarkson into a kind of position where he's maybe not comfortable. But it feels now, with that two behind him, a solid base behind him, it gives Clarkson a little bit of, of freedom to to kind of express himself as well, which is great. And somebody picked us up on on Twitter as well, asking what you know what we want to talk about. That's probably enough to talk. That's probably enough about Graham Shinney. We'll come back on to the signings we made in the week later on. But somebody's made a very a very good point here. Um, Ian at Tailzo nineteen eighty eight is the problem we've seen under Goodwin so far mainly down to a lack of balance as that was probably the most controlled we've looked underneath him yesterday. Well, a pondering. Gavin's really pondering this well, one. I, I think we, when we first started with, with McCrory and Ramadani in the middle, it felt like we did have that, mm-hmm. that, that basis, that foundation that would allow our more attacking players to go and express themselves. I think when Clarkson, Clarkson come in, Clarkson came in just before sitting in. Yeah, uh-huh. so I think I don't know. I don't, did we already have like warning signs about one or two players that maybe prompted, and then you know we've had some injuries, and I think definitely since we've moved to the back three, balance, yeah, for sure mm-hmm. that went out the window, um, especially in the middle with, like I say, they're they're all good players, Bad and Clarkson and and Ramadani, but it's not a trio that's going to do particularly well in the Scottish league and um, the way it is physically. Um, I think there's definitely merit to that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think there's been. A number of issues under Goodwin. Yeah, I agree. This, this season, but I would, I would definitely say that's. Yeah, we haven't struck the right balance since we've shifted McCrory out of midfield. I would definitely call mm-hmm. them that. Grim, I think there's some. Yeah, I think there's definitely something in that. It's difficult. There's only one game. It is. It is against an op- you know against an opponent who isn't particularly or probably isn't particularly creative in general. If you look at the so where they are in the league and what they were probably trying to get out of the game. That being said, you can only play what's put in front of you. And it didn't feel like the problems were a lack of control and or competitiveness in the midfield. It just felt like we were a little bit toothless up front and that was what was probably going to cause us the game, not finishing chances rather than not getting a hold of the game. So, yeah, there's probably something in that. And I think, you know, for a month, six weeks, time if we've still been playing with basically the same personnel in the same shape then you've probably got a better sample size to see where have things been going well and where have things not going well um, and I hope that we're still talking about Shane and Ramadani playing yeah. together and playing well Yeah, Graham's given me some thinking time there <laughs> and definitely since we've gone to the back three what we've definitely suffered from is just not being able to allow our creative players to focus on being attacking creative yeah. players. Baron, uh, Clarkson especially, have had to do a lot of donkey work that they're maybe not uh, accustomed to. We've kind of just relied on Duke and Miofsky to make something out of nothing. Going back to that shape, like you say, we've got Shinny, we've got Ramadani, we've got the back two uh, with Stuart and uh, Scales. You've got McCrory tidying up uh, any any issues. You've still got you know Duke and Kennedy, game's favourite player, Matty Kennedy who are going to put in shifts and that does allow, you know, your Leighton Clarkson's to go on and express themselves and be creative. So yeah, like I say, I'm, I'm much, much more comfortable with us in this shape. And I think you can put other personnel into these roles and we'll still be as good. 
Which is the good thing as well, isn't it? That it, it I think it, it suits our squad. We've talked about it to death, I think, for the last few weeks about the fact that we... It's, it's, it's almost as though we set up a recruitment policy around this formation and I've practiced it for us. Exactly. Who'd have thunk? Um, Vinny Bajowin, a crucial role in the opening goal. Um, didn't do an awful lot else after that. Did not appreciate his role um, live, but when you watch it, that is post-Watershed stuff. <laughs> Filth. That absolute filth. that will hopefully do him some good I think that cameo sets up the goal gets involved again hopefully gets his confidence up and running he strikes me very much as being a confidence kind of player um, fingers crossed that allows him to kick on a little bit now um, yeah I've got to say bar his contribution to the goal didn't think he offered much else had a decent length of time on the pitch and just you know was making the wrong decisions I found but you know it's when it comes, when it matters, it's great strength for a wee guy to hold off these one or two giants that he's up against um, off the ball, and then it's a great little flick. It's he's a guy who's obviously got a lot of ability, yeah. and we expected a lot when he came in. You know, we expected him to really kick on in the summer. We were seeing like what he was doing in training and preseason. I think there's definitely something there, but he needs to, you know, he needs to be delivering on a more consistent basis. But hopefully, he's had a pretty prolonged spell out of the team, out of the first team. Hopefully that's something that he can take and, you know, I don't expect him to start against Rangers, but something for him to build on and, uh, you know, show what he's all about. Yeah, I didn't appreciate live, actually, sort of his full involvement. You watch it again and it is excellent. Like Gam said, to honest, he was pretty disappointing in the game, in my opinion, and has been for quite some time. However, you know, most games come down to fine margins. So, bringing on someone like I me, mean, yeah, he's not doing what I would want him to do, which is basically taking on players or scoring goals like I felt he had been previously. But if it, I'm saying his only involvement. If his involvement is to come on, play a little ball like that that sets up a goal, fine. That's also part of his job. And maybe don't notice that at the time, but if you look back and you can see that yeah, he's contributing, um, that that's good. I think there's, there's more, we need more yeah. from him, but... It was a good start, and I didn't appreciate just how outrageous that was. I mean, with all, like you say, with all the sort of the pressure and the physical side of holding people off and everything to execute that, I mean, it's probably not the easiest thing to execute if you're just standing alone and someone plays you that ball in. Never mind doing it um, with all the other stuff going on. So, really good skill from him, but we definitely need we definitely need more from him. Duke, again, um, all the chat going into the World Cup break was around Miofsky attracting potentially a number of different suitors and, and how we were going to hold on to him. But you've surely got to wonder now if that attention might now be shifting in the direction of Duke. Um, the good thing we or, know is that Hearts are going to be interested in him because he wouldn't get in their team. Exactly. And Lawrence Shankland is a far superior player. All right, Alan. Um, Duke, or as, as Duncan Rothney um, hailed him this evening as being our Lord and Saviour, Duke. Um, I feel like we've had many Lords and Saviours. Yeah, absolutely. In the, I mean, just looking, look at his numbers now. In the league alone, he's played twelve hundred minutes in the league. Um, he's averaging 0.69 goals per ninety minutes. That drops to 0.60 if you strip out the one penalty that he's he's had this season. So he ranks fourth in the league in that metric. That's only just behind, I think, it's Kyogo, Abda, and Cholak are the only three players ahead of him in the league on that metric at this moment in time. Um, it's basically double that of Miofsky. Miofsky's sitting now at 0.32 goals 
per 90 minutes as well when you take penalties out of the equation. Obviously, that is probably skewing things a bit because a, a number of Miofsky's goals this season have come from penalties. It's certainly it's, it's impressive stuff, isn't it, from a guy who, until this season, hadn't really kicked a ball in senior football. He's outperforming his non-penalty expected goals. That that currently sits at 0.29 goals per game. So at, at an average of 0.6 that he's currently sitting at the moment, he's nearly outperforming himself by a factor of three in terms of converting chances, it's... Do we need to start being a bit concerned about how long we're able to hold on to to Duke, do you think? If there are teams out there looking at our players, I cannot, for the life of me, understand how scouts wouldn't be going to watch, say, a Miofsky or a Baron or whoever, and then coming away from thinking, yeah, yeah, the guy we looked at was good, but this guy, this the number 11, he's something else. I can't, yeah, I can't see how anyone watching us wouldn't be have their have, have their eyes drawn to him, and think this is a player that's worth worth a punt. Should any scouts be using this for research? I know for a fact there's release clause is fifty million, <laughs> so just so we're in that sort of ballpark. Uh, no, he's been, yeah, he has been really good. I, I, to be honest, like, I think it was just about a minute before he scored on Saturday. It was turning to Gavin and saying like I would take him off because he looked like he was he out of his yeah. feet. Like the way his game seems to go is the first half he's all action and almost like runs himself into the ground. And then the second half he's in recovery mode because I was getting a bit frustrated with him and he wasn't making the runs sort of defensively or offensively that he had been in the first half. And then out of nowhere, obviously, brilliant ball from Vinny and then bang, he's straight in and that sort of pace and the clinical finishing. So I probably just need to cut in some slack. Maybe there's a reason why he goes into recovery mode. Um, but overall, the thing is, like, I know I sort of joke about the cult hero maverick stuff. He's good as a football player, but I feel like he's, it's a different stuff he can do. You know, like the the one that was disallowed was just yeah. like presence of mind and strength to give the old John McGinn arson to the opposition, roll them and finish it. Great. You want him to be able to do stuff. And there were times where people would play the ball on his feet. His back's into his man and they can't, they can't get the ball off him. And then once he turns you, most of them can't even catch him to, to take him out. Yeah. But then other stuff like the goal there is, you know, good awareness. And then just being there, finish it. Great. Even the header's really good. There's a lot about that header, which is good because he's not the tallest. Gets himself in a nice pocket of space, reads the ball well. Good leap from a standing leap as well. It's not a running leap. Good header. It's, you know, it's not a... He probably should score from there. It's 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 almost point blank range, but for a guy who you kind of look at and go, I'm not entirely sure how he'll be with the head. It's a decent finish, um, and this is what you know. We we all know now. You know, go back to the the, the conversation that uh, we had with Lee Scott. We all know how important analytics are now and how much data plays in terms of the the recruitment side of the game across the globe. If you're a team out there who is you know, not one of the, the major forces in European football, but has, has got a wee bit more money to spend than we do, for example. Um, if you're looking towards the Scottish Premier League, for example, and looking at, or across Europe, potentially, looking at players with that sort of average of, of goals per 90 minutes, you know, you look at the three ahead of him in Scotland, a lot of teams wouldn't be able to afford the money it would take to pull those guys away from Celtic and Rangers. But they know they could look at Aberdeen and say, we'll chuck them four or five million for this guy and we could probably get him. And that's the concern now, isn't it? There's there's a lot of clubs at that kind of level with that sort of money 
kicking about that could be looking very, very favorably towards a guy like Duke. Because he's still really raw as well. That's the other thing about him. He's he's still very much a project player in a way. Yeah, I think Jim Goodwin mentioned after the game that, you know, he's they still need to work on him being able to go for the 90 minutes, as Graham kind of said there, and you know, there's other parts that are raw, but you know, I think he's definitely a much better player than I expected him to be, given the the chat yeah. in the summer. I guess the good thing from our perspective is that he is tied down until 2025. So if he, even if it is this summer, you know, we should be able to fetch a, a very, very good fee. The issue then becomes like, well, where the hell do you find the next Duke? Because guys like that don't come around all that often. No, exactly. I also have to be aware that, I mean, it is, it's not a secret that this is our business model. Yeah. yeah. Is to get players on the cheap. Some of them will work, some of them won't, and turn a profit. That's where we find ourselves the days of us being able to wait until someone else developed a player and just come in and take them are long gone. So yeah, he might not be here for that much longer, but that's just, if that is the case, that means he's performed well. So hopefully you get the rewards and the benefit of him throughout the period he's in the team. And realistically, it's where we find ourselves in the footballing food chain. It's what we need to do to survive. So if we don't have him for long, be disappointed, but you need the money, so it's just going to be the way it goes. Yeah, we kind of need to enjoy him while he's here, I think, don't we? I think is almost where it's going now. Well, you need some of your players to do that, don't you? Otherwise, your recruitment policy is yeah. flawed and strategy. Some of them have to come in for a wee while and go for money. And yeah, it's annoying because it's rebuilding or you lose, you maybe can't replace them that quickly, players of that quality, but it's just the way it has to be. Was there not also something murky about the wording about the way that we transferred him from Benfica? It's just not something. This is why we find out that Benfica have a what's it like Barca always put in there like players like you know a buyback, oh, like a buyback yeah. for like you know a Mars bar. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe who knows? I mean, I think as well you need to look at this in context. I suppose to an extent, you know, we we joked about it before about oh, let's you know we should just be scouting Benfica B in the kind of B League of Portugal, but then at the same time, you know, Hibs took a player in from Benfica B as well this summer, and he's been absolute horseshit. So it's not a sign of quality being there a lot of credit has to go to the to the recruitment team on this one for actually spotting something in duke that they thought they could work with um i think the message probably has to be that we just have to kind of probably enjoy it while we while we still can um now oh also well i was going to say i have to be the negative one remember before the world cup we were all saying that about miofsky and look how that's turned <laughs> out so well, there we go that's a negative ninny right there. I did enjoy, so, someone suggested that Jim Goodwin's, uh, the reason we've been so garbage last like month or so is Jim Goodwin's long plan. His oh long yeah, game, I saw this, yeah. Just to keep Miofsky and Ramadani and Duke all at the club. Yeah, It's, it's an interesting strategy. It's working well, if it is that strategy. <laughs> exactly. Um, on that, don't say we didn't tell you so in last week's preview, but we did. We did highlight the St. John's where we could set plays. And so it proved the second goal coming from a, a, a good corner by Hayes. I mean, it's, it was probably the only corner of the game that I thought was delivered with real pace and conviction into a dangerous area. I know we had a chance in the first half from uh, Stuart knocking the ball back to Scales, but that felt like it was manufactured rather than as a result of the, the cross ball. Wouldn't you say, Graham? I would. Yeah, Matty Kennedy definitely found uh, the Ben Thornley playbook for corner kicks <laughs> absolutely um but that second goal a real we just touched on a real satisfying one i guess because we're just touching it duke gets himself positioned really well between a couple of defenders standing leap nods at home lovely stuff and it makes us look as though we actually know what the fuck we're talking about sometimes so that's always good what was it gavin said to me just before Hayes took the corner 
Oh yeah, he'll sort out the corners. <laughs> <laughs> Bang, straight on to Duke Snogan. <laughs> Basically, all you need to know is that neither me nor Graham nor Gary, because he loves Stevie May. None of us would make good football managers. <laughs> if it's taking people 80 episodes to realise that, <laughs> there's something wrong with them. All in all, massive three points, though, wasn't it, really? It was desperately needed for so many different reasons. Um, the fact that Hearts dropped points at St Mirren is, it obviously made it more crucial as well. Yeah, also, jokes aside, the fact that St Mirren dropped points. Well, yeah, that, that is also true, because St Mirren still do have two games in hand on us. Um, yeah, we needed... Yeah, we needed desperate to stop the rot. Yeah, and definitely. A win anyway was going to do that. Uh, but the fact that it came with a bit of performance as well yeah. added bonus. You're also going into a really big game come Sunday. So, well, we're going into a big. This is a big month. You you want as positive an atmosphere around the club yeah, as yeah. you can possibly have, and you know, th- yeah, that's just the best way to do it. Like I said at the start, it doesn't mean everything's fixed now, but. It's clearly a much better position to be in than it could have been. I know, Graham. I saw you chatting Jim Goodwin's Army Army. Yeah, I don't <laughs> remember going that far. <laughs> yeah, not quite. Um, but it is. It, you just touched on it. It's a, it's a massive month now. We've got you know a, a League Cup semi final on on Sunday. You know, it's 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 just a semi final still, but it is an opportunity to get to a final, and it's an opportunity to try and put silverware back in the the trophy cabinet. In the league, it's back to back away trips now to Edinburgh. The away form really needs to get sorted out pronto if we're really going to have any hopes of claiming third spot, I think. Any spot. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. If we're... You're not you're not going to finish third with that away record. It's, it's just not going to happen. So it, yeah. it absolutely has to change. And that's probably the next conundrum, isn't it? Is how do you... Well, not necessarily fixed the results, but how do you address that? Because it's been way below par. Yeah, but uh, what I'd say is teams are not going to take the piss out of us anymore with Shiniesta in the middle. No, absolutely not. I think that's the big thing. And it's we'll come back to Shinny again in a minute or two uh, when we look at the kind of news from the week. But it's a huge, <clears throat> huge week coming up now. I think it was important, as you say, Graham, that we go into the game at hand and with at least a level of confidence back in the team and win the support. Um, it's going to be a tough task at hand and it always is whenever you play uh, either of the Bigot brothers. But, um, you know, at least you go into this game now with a, a couple of clean sheets under our belts and, and a good win. Let's just quickly move on then. Oh, Gav, you were... <clears throat> I was going to say, the last time we went out to Hamden for a semi-final with Rangers, team in pretty horrendous form, Lewis Ferguson came up came up good. So let's do that again. He did. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, topped on then. Let's move on to that. Our poll that we did <laughs> appeared to create a lot of fucking controversy. Um, the good thing is controversy creates cash exactly exactly due to the fact we omitted Ross McCrory from the poll listing um, the poll itself saw Duke winning at 60% of the vote Shinny with 33% Ramadani 5 and Skills with 2 there was lots of simple reasons why Ross McCrory wasn't in the list mainly I think because the three of us forgot all about him when we were talking about it going up Merkland Road which I'm not entirely sure if that shows you that he had a, a great game I feel like, from my point of view, he suffers from being generally... I know he's had a couple of stinkers, but I always generally think of before he's been pretty solid. So he's the kind of guy that I kind of forget about in a game, if you know what I mean, because, of course, he'd be solid because he's Ross McCrory. So I don't really think of him doing anything other than being solid. Yeah, so being solid is just doing his job. So I kind of forgot about him because you get caught up with 
Sinead returning. The midfield was generally pretty good, and obviously Duke scoring the goals. Yeah, it wasn't really a, a purpose for it. wasn't a snub as such, was it? It was more just incompetence from the three of us. What 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 people <laughs> need to understand is that we went with it. We we do this immediately after the game. So we're like lazy sponsors. We get the goal scorer involved. We go for the populist vote, which felt like Graham Shinney. Um, Ramadani could score two on goals and like flip off a granny and Gary also put him in the top down category. And uh, we and we thought that... Hey, but listen, but listen, but listen. On that, on, uh, Gav, on that quickly. Ilbram does follow us now on Twitter. He so does. He he's does. in every week. Well, he's in every week now. Welcome. You can uh, you can sponsor us if you want. Um, and I thought Liam Scales was, I Liam Scales was, was good. Um, apart from when Graham put the jinx yeah. on him about his the shape on his long balls. But yeah, I think McCrory was, with the benefit of hindsight, more deserving of a, a place in that poll than perhaps perhaps Scales and Ramadani. But, well, um, Scales anyway. Ramadani's in every week. <laughs> for me anyway, I think well, we don't win the game without Duke. So for me, I'm, I'm sticking with... With Duke as Excellent. my man, top there we go. Graham, I had Duke as well. Lovely stuff. Um, Ramadani. <laughs> <laughs> to appease anyone who lost their shit about Ross McCrory, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Duke. Um, let's move on, shall we? So on to news from Patrick and Cormac Pratt this week. Of course, the major news this week, of course, was the return of Graham Shinney and the arrival of Patrick Mislovich from MSK Jelena on an initial loan to the end of the season. The Dons holding an exclusive option to purchase the Slovakian under-21 international at the end of the season. Now, I covered both of these acquisitions in brief in episode 79 and a half. Uh, a decent segment, I thought, with the Slovakian TV commentator Andre Zvlalensky in there as well. So you can go and get the download on our new arrival from Slovakia. But I never got a chance, obviously, to talk to either of you two about this on Friday. I think it's when we did it. So just, I guess, your initial reactions to the signings. We've kind of covered Graham Shinney already. It feels to an extent a little bit, Graham, you and I spoke about it in the pub before the game. feels a little bit, this one's got Dave Cormack's kind of fingerprints all over it, and it's maybe a bit of a populist um, move. But I think on the this doesn't feel to me like a kind of Carrie Arneson-type signing where you're potentially signing a guy just because it'll be popular. I think the popular part helps here because it does at least get the crowds, you know, the support base behind you a bit going into the game yesterday. But Shinny's still going to be able to do a job for us, isn't he? It's a sensible signing when he's available. I think, I generally don't like players coming back for a second spell, especially not someone who was good and I liked the first time around. But he was decent on Saturday. I think he will contribute to the team. And he's actually a little bit younger than I thought, so he's not basically returned because he's passed it and he can get a decent payday out of it. I think he does, he obviously does have, um, you know, an interest in the the club and wanting to play for Aberdeen. So I feel like this probably will work out reasonably well. And I guess just because you don't really necessarily have someone in mind to become available, you maybe just have to take the player because he's available and then figure out how to, to get him into the team. So I think he'll contribute during his loan spell and it's probably not a bad bit of business considering we've been a little bit soft-centred. That's not really something you would have thrown around when he was playing for us the, the first time around. Yeah, this is definitely not us sending a scout to Northampton and finding out that Ash Taylor has fallen out of favour with the manager, so let's bring him back to Aberdeen. This is um, a player that you just you cannot pass up if he comes available. And, you know, all-action style, um, a guy that will lead by example. And like I said, he just he gets what it is to play for Aberdeen. 
31, you know, um, a player in their 30s is a different animal than it was 10, 20 years ago. You've just seen the World Cup. It's guys in their mid-30s who are still dominating, you know, the top levels of football. Graham Shady's kept himself fit. I'm sure that he's going to come here. And if he stays for the long haul, he'll be a massive asset to Aberdeen. Absolutely. I said, I think, during episode 79 and a half as well, though, I think the Graham Shady one is one thing, and I think it, you know, we all know what we're going to get from Graham Shady. We saw that on Saturday, what we're going to get from him. Great beard as well. It's only improved in his time away. Um, but certainly for me, I don't know about you two, Graham, I think we spoke about it a little bit briefly in the pub yesterday as well, but it feels like the, the signing of uh, Mislovic is certainly the more interesting and more intriguing one once again, isn't it? Because it's us foraying into the foreign market, something we've not really done a lot of in, in recent seasons, but we've kind of done it with a, a, a decent amount of success already this season. A Slovakian under-21 international, over 100 games for Jelena, who have a well-renowned youth academy in Slovakia as well. You know, only 21 has captained Jelena a couple of times already. By all accounts, we've been tracking this player since last summer. Um, maybe he felt that this deal was not going to work uh, after he signed a new contract with Jelena in November. It's, it's come around that he's available. Um, we've got the exclusive option to purchase. It's going to be very interesting to see what he brings to the table, isn't it? When um, when he hopefully gets his work permit and all that good stuff sorted out. I saw someone asking, hey, where do we see him fitting into the current setup? I think it seems pretty obvious to me right now. He's probably going to be earmarked in for that number 10 position, I think. I don't think it's necessarily his best position from what we've seen. I think his best position is probably a, a kind of advanced eight. But it seems with the setup we have just now, it seems like some competition potentially for Leighton Clarkson in that number 10 role. Yeah, I'm quite quite intrigued. It's the It's the more exciting recruitment strategy at work isn't it so let's see yeah let's just see how it plays out I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about him or, or the league or anything like that but the fact that we you know if we've obviously been tracking him for a period of time thought an opportunity wasn't available to do a deal and something's come up that gives me a bit more confidence that you know we're we're keeping tabs on players and not just being like oh well don't think it's going to happen or they said no and then you know binning them off well you keep a tab on them and see how they develop because you never know what's going to happen in football. So we'll see how it plays out. The only thing I would say is he's, he's probably a little bit pissed off if he scrolled through the club social media. He'd be like, hey, hey guys, I signed here as well as this guy, Graham Cheney. I know. And we saw it like we saw it as well during the week. That Again, similar to what Gav touched on a minute ago, that there was a lot of kind of people, I think, when the two signings were announced, like, oh, midfielders, we don't need midfielders, we need defenders. And there's a valid argument about that. We, we certainly do need strength at the back. I don't know if there's any doubt about that. And I expect there will be movement on that in the next couple of weeks. But at the same time, as we touched on, um, if you've been tracking a player for this long, we've watched this player a lot in person and from a video analysis perspective. When you've been watching a guy for this long, when you've been tracking a guy this long, when you've put this amount of work into tracking him, if he does become available, and it fits with our recruitment strategy, doesn't it, about try to bring in young up-and-coming players. Leighton Clarkson will leave the club in the summer. Um, I'll be very surprised if he returns again here on loan. I'm not convinced Clarkson will make it at Liverpool, and that's not a slight on Clarkson. I just think that he's probably just not really going to do it at Liverpool, but I'd be surprised if he comes back to Aberdeen again. I think he's probably got enough about him. He'll probably get a move to the English Championship um, or maybe even on our Premier League team in England, potentially. Um so we've got to be future-proofing anyway. And if an opportunity comes up for a player like this who fits the model, fits the recruitment strategy, then you've kind of got to go for it. Whether that means we're a bit overloaded for midfielders just now, so be it. We've kind of got to go for it, you'd, you'd assume, Gav. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't dismiss the idea that we might lose one or two 
uh, in midfield. Anyway, in this uh, in this window, given the way that uh, things have been, uh, particularly with you know Connor Barron and you know Dante Polvara's very much out of the picture, and if they move on, it's no different than Duke. We have to prepare for the future, and if someone like Paddy Mislovic, as I'm going to christen him now, uh, becomes available, and yeah, like you say, we've got good reason to believe we've been watching him for a long time, and he's going to bring something different. Yeah, absolutely on board with bringing him in. I'm just really happy that, you know, after all we've talked about what we need to do in January, that we've been really proactive and got some players in early doors and we're not, you know, sitting here on the 30th or 31st. Well, not yet. Terrified. Terrified. Well, not yet, but I mean, that's that's two, that's one big signing, I think, in Shinny. And hopefully uh, Mislovic can come in and make a real difference. And then, you know, what was it Dave Cormack said last year? Just be patient. Uh, yeah, breathe breathe well we don't even need to do that i think and i think we'll get we'll get at least one more in in the door um to help uh, the defense well yeah i mean the thing is we we, we spoke about before but the, the indications to us <clears throat> we'd heard was that there was at least a another still to come mm-hmm. um that we will likely have to pay a fee for so i wouldn't be surprised if that does happen and it'll be in one would assume the defensive areas um because that is there that still needs strengthened although it's not going to be Kevin said, Long. It's not going to be Kevin Long. We did just speak about it. Stuart Scales looked all right at the weekend. Um, I, I still don't think we should go with that as our default setting. But even if they looked all right for the game, what do you do when one of them? Well, what do you do when Scales can't play? Because that will happen. Yeah. And what do you do exactly. when they're injured and or suspended? So you definitely need cover in there. Um, yeah, my mindset hasn't changed on the point that you can't be a team that want to play it from the back and have a player that can't play with the ball. So. We've got to be looking at a, an alternative for the right-sided defence. Absolutely. And with that said, let's um, move on to Loom Watch, shall we? So Conor McLennan, unavailable due to the Liam Scales rule, as it's now christened in Scottish football, as he missed out at St. Johnson, succumbed to a 2-0 defeat to the famous at the home of football. You know what? I've actually thought that maybe the reason they didn't pose such threats because Adam Montgomery wasn't available for them. It's true. True. Who knows? Anyway, Kieran Nguyenia missed out altogether due to injury from Wraith Rovers' 1-1 draw with Dundee at Starks Park on Friday night in the Championship. Evan Towler, not in the matchday squad, is called for Hammond for six for the second game in succession. This time, it was Queen's Park running right at the Balmoral in Paul Hartley's first game back in charge. Um, does that mean they'll now want Jim McIntyre back? It's all right, it's only six points lost. Not in the match day squad is definitely what you want to be able to tell your friends when they find out it was six again. <laughs> Nothing to do, exactly Nothing to do with me. With me. <laughs> Tom Ritchie, uh, another start. A penalty save for Tom Ritchie at Peterhead, but they eventually went down by three goals to nil to Airdrionians in League Two. All three goals for Airdrie coming in the last six minutes in that one. So maybe Davy Robertson needs to work on the old fitness levels up Balmer way, methinks. And then last... But by absolutely no means least, Dean Campbell off the bench in the 63rd minute of Stevenage's third round FA Cup tie at Villa Park on Sunday evening with Stevenage a goal down. Five minutes to go. Dino's dragged down in the box for a penalty kick converted by Jamie Lee, by Jamie Reed, even Villa out of 10 men before Campbell himself stepped up in the 90th minute to rifle home a low shot, send the league to outfit through against the Premier League side. And for once, this podcast can't even bring ourselves to suggest that big bad Steve Evans and his regular supply of brown envelopes had anything to do with this one. 
Great stuff by Stevenage. What a way for Dean Campbell to ensure that he has, if nothing else in his career, forevermore legendary status, one would imagine, at Stevenage. It was, uh, it's a pretty tidy strike, isn't it? Great goal. Great stuff. Because you see, like, you don't know where, you don't know what's happening because you see, or I don't know what's happening. You see the clip, right? And you see the, the corner and he plays out to him. You're be like, all right, okay. So he's played it out. And what does Campbell do? Does he put the cross in that gets the winning goal? So he gets an assist. I don't know. He just pinged it at the bottom corner. Fair enough. Lovely stuff. Yes. But Dean Campbell not coming to an Aberdeen football club near you anytime soon. Well, I was going to ask you, what do you think? Is there any danger he has a contract extension in Lighting? No chance. Hope, hopefully, no chance. Uh, hopefully in a in another footballing life, he now has a home to call in Stevenage Borough when his Aberdeen deal runs out. Okay, there absolutely, we go. That's absolutely no danger that guy's an Aberdeen player. Okay, there we go. Um, moving on to the young team, no game for them. Although Stevenage will be a, probably a League One team next year, so maybe he'll become like a sort of Adam Rooney, Rob Milsom type, just float around and become a League 2 legend. Or League 1 legend. Back-to-back promotions. Just think about the amount of brown envelopes that Steve Evans will have now after that win at Aston Villa. Think about the cash swelling up out there. On TV as well, isn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that is a a war chest, I think as they call it in the the game. Yeah, that's a a cheat code. (laughs) Um, Steve Evans is a cheat code. (laughs) <laughs> he is, isn't he? He really is. Um, anyway, on to the young team. No game for them this week. They're due back in action on Friday at Cormac Park against St Mirren. For the women's team, a return to action for them after their month off with the visit of Hutchinson Vale in the Scottish Cup fourth round on Sunday afternoon at the Balmoral. Interim manager Gavin Levy having to field a strong side despite a mixture of injuries and illnesses, which meant several squad regulars were missing. Ailey Shore, Donna Patterson, Ava Thompson and Fran Ogilvie all missing. Brodie Greenwood and Natasha Bruce coming in for their respective second starts of the season. Hannah Stewart up top with Bailey Hutchison with Lauren Campbell once again captaining the side. And it was the visitors though who started the game brightly, forcing an early corner which was well defended by the Quines. Collins involved a few minutes later as the Dons continued to search for their opener. Stuart's neat ball into the box, finding Collins, who saw her low effort turned around the post by Vale keeper Nadine Miller. The resulting corner headed just wide by Nadine Hansen. Dons, though, finally making the breakthrough 10 minutes before half time. A good turn by Lauren Campbell in the area, giving her space to cross, and her ball found Bailey Hutchinson. A couple of yards out from goal, who fired home her fourth goal of the season from close range at the back post. Half time, 1 0 to the Dons. In the second half, Aberdeen replacing Bruce with Chloe Gover at the interval, and they continued to dominate possession at the start of the second half, but similar a little bit to the men's team here, failing to create any real clear cut chances. The Dons, though, finally getting their second goal of the afternoon in the 70th minute. Campbell, again, involved her ball up the right-hand side. Finding Stuart, whose ball into Maya Christie, was finished brilliantly by the youngster, low into the right-hand corner of the net. And that was enough to see the Dons book themselves into the next round of the Scottish Women's FA Cup. And that, I think, will wrap up the first half of this week's ABZ Football Podcast, I think. Join us on the other side as we'll bring you the latest instalment of Jeff's Music Corner and we'll bring you our preview of Sunday's League Cup semi-final clash with Sevco 5088 Limited at Hampden Park. 
This episode of the ABC Football Podcast is brought to you by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Siberia is back and better than ever in 2023 with a revamped food menu and even better, they're offering free area hires between January and March. Head on down and get rid of those January blues by enjoying a night out with your friends on Belmont Street. Book an area or even a table for Siberia's 2023 burn supper via their website at siberia-aberdeen.co.uk. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. And before we move on to our preview of next Sunday's semi-final Hamden, we just want to give a quick shout out to Mark Robertson once again. Good lad, Mark. Good lad. And Johnny Main. Very good lad, Johnny. For their contributions to the ABZ FP Beer Coffee Dram Fund this week. We see you. Your bread is absolutely much appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffees, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash abz football podcast the link is in the description shout us a beer or a coffee it is much appreciated and for those of you who have not seen it yet on twitter we do have the latest in our fundraising raffles on the go at the moment this time raising money for the russell anderson development school we've got a signed a3 print provided by the lovely lovely chaps at d7 creates of uh, it's a print commemorating the 1983 European Cup Winners' Cup final in Gothenburg. Of course, the famous 2-1 win over Real Madrid, the 40th anniversary of that this season. And not only is it a beautifully framed print, it is, of course, signed by the goal hero that evening, one and only John Hewitt. So the print itself was worth 15 quid. The frame is worth, I don't know, £2. The signature, priceless. If you'd like to enter the draw... It's 10 quid an entry. Like we say, all the proceeds for this are going to go to the Russell Anderson Development School. So you can you can win yourself a lovely piece of memorabilia to commemorate the 40th anniversary of the famous win in Gothenburg and help out our former captain with his development school as well. <clears throat> if you'd like to get involved, please just send us an email to abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com. We'll get you in the draw. And um, fingers crossed, you might very well be the lucky one that picks up that prize. Now... Before we move on to that as well, we had a great response to our first installments of my favourite game with Duncan Shearer, Martin Stone and Tom Watt. Um, for those of you again who are just joining for the first time, this is it's exactly what it says in the tin. It's like Ron Seal. We're going to get a mixture of fans, ex-players, managers, etc. What shade do you think Jimmy Caldwell had a Ron Seal? Deep mahogany. Exactly. Um, we're going to get anyone who wants to come on and talk about it. Get on to the show, talk about your favourite Aberdeen game. If you'd like to be involved, please hit us up on Twitter or Email us at abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what game it is you want to pick, why you've picked it. It could be for any reason, first game, something silly, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, join us. We'll have a chat. We'll have a chin wag about it. We'll get you on. We've got a few great ones lined up for the for the new year, so we're looking forward to bringing a few of those. And then now, before we get on to the preview of next week's League Cup semi-final, someone asked for this to come back again this week. So here it is. It's back. It's the latest installment of Jeff's Music Corner. We know you love it. We know we love we it. We hope you love it. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you, again, new listeners, occasionally we just like to indulge ourselves by taking a wander down memory lane to pick up a one-hit wonder from the 90s or the mid-90s or the mid-2000s or whatever parameters we actually decide 
to set because fuck it, we're in control of this one. And then we'll try somehow to bring it back to Aberdeen Football Club. And this week I'd kind of settled quite early on the song in advance. It's JJ72, their song Oxygen. Then I remember they had a second song that actually did better in the charts, which was called Snow. But Graham, as you pointed out this afternoon, frankly, we make the rules in this one. So here we are. Also, they have a song called October Swimmer, which has almost three times as many streams on Spotify. Yeah, that's also true. That was, um, as I remember, that came out before the first album came out and it was like Mark, would have been, no, Steve Lamack. It would have been Steve Lamack's single of the week, I think, back in the day. So that might explain it. Um, Anyway, here we are. Released in 2000 off their self-titled album, Oxygen peaked at number 23 in the UK charts. First charted on the 26th of August, 2000. So what were Aberdeen up to that week, do you think? Sorry, when was it? The 26th of August, 2000. 2000. Um, so that's the season after the double, the cup double defeat and... Yes. Uh, administration. <laughs> Scottish administration uh, keeping us out of the uh, a potential playoff with Falkirk. Um, a round-robin playoff, Gav. It was a three-way playoff. Come on. We we would have been uh, in the midst of a rebuild and probably still quite garbage. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we we just kicked off our... Oh, did we get beat by Bohemians? Uh, well, that came a couple of weeks later. All right. So there actually is a nice Irish connection straight off the bat, actually, for JJ72, but never mind. Um, yeah, that week, the week that this song charted, we kicked off our SPL Premier League campaign with a nil-nil draw at newly promoted Dunfermline Athletic. There we go. Uh, also, I suppose for the pedants out there, it would have been the SPL at the time, wouldn't it? It was the SPL. Yes, that's correct. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> how do we get back from JJ72 to Aberdeen Football Club? And as it turns out, this one was actually quite easy because JJ72 frontman Mark Greeny was once on the books of Everton as a talented youngster. And there are, of course, plenty of links between Aberdeen and Everton, but perhaps the most famous being the sale of the King of the Beach End, Joe Harper from the Dons to Everton in December 1972. Um, Gav's looking really confused. I'm just, when you talk about for the pedants, I mean, is a track that peaked at number 23 really a hit? Everyone knows it. Yeah, Yeah, everyone knows it. Just because you're younger, the kids don't know it. I mean, this is kind of like a time when, this is a time when chart placement kind of means something. And yeah. Also, for those of you who are younger, uh, this used to be played on the radio. This was pre-streaming. (laughs) <laughs> and if you wanted to listen to it at home you had to go into town hand over actual cash money and get something physical yeah true would this have been around the time that mini discs were a thing yeah you have bought the cd and then enacted the sort of voodoo ritual you needed to do to sync your mini disc at the exact time it needed to hit record mini discs were a thing from like july to september 2000 or something they didn't yeah because they were they shit. didn't last very long <laughs> did they no they didn't but you know what they were helpful for was remember how fop used to have their whole suck it and see like thing so you'd illegally copy them is what you're saying didn't legally copy them i might just have taken my cd and then stuck on a minute and then taken the cd back and said not too sure about that one mate which is not permitted did you obtain written consent of the copyright holder i don't know and I, there is that little part of me every now and again that now goes Am I the reason Fop and Aberdeen are no longer here? Probably, and why bands don't make any money. But, you know, <laughs> as long as you sleep well at night. I wouldn't say you're the reason, just one of the reasons. It's just one, one of the reasons. reasons, true, true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, to be fair, I, I understand that, having been in bands that made no money on anything, so it's fine. It's okay. Yeah, there's different reasons for that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that wasn't a copyright infringement. Just poor artist management, as I recall. Um, you can only manage the talent you've got, with the exception yeah. of Gavin. That was a tough shift. <laughs> anyway, for JJ72, there was a follow-up album, I to Sky, which appeared in 2002, but without the commercial success of their debut, the band eventually splitting in 2006. So there we go. Easy to get that back. JJ72 back to Aberdeen. Gents, your thoughts on JJ72 and Oxygen? Uh, not a massive fan. Graham, I, think it's, I think it's quite a plodding track. Um, kind of reminds me of watching Aberdeen under Stephen Glass. <laughs> <laughs> not for the first time, Gavin's wrong. I actually always quite liked it. <laughs> but what I will say is a couple of things. Anytime we do this, I don't consider myself old. And then someone says, oh, that came out in 2000. You're like, oh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I've queued up on the old Spotify to listen to my walk to work tomorrow. Lovely. So I enjoyed it. I might not enjoy it now, but past tense, back in the day, it was a really odd, the really odd band because the guy's voice was quite annoying, but I still quite like the the songs. So I'm having that as a as a hit. It was a popular song at the time. I feel like one of their songs made it into an advert, and that might have made them some cash. Was that Snow? Maybe, maybe. I think I miss Snow. So I think it's a relative sign of stability on Aberdeen's part that they're only eight managers ago. So. Definitely a different way of looking at it. Obviously, Derek McInnes does, you know, is sort of the well anomaly. And I guess Jimmy Caldwell as well. Deacon Jimmy are the, uh, the, the, the stabilizing factors that's, there. That's, that's 12, 13 years worth right there. So. Yeah. I, I also need to ask why Gary is caressing some sort of rubber crocodile <laughs> or alligator. Yeah, so I just found it. <laughs> My son's thing was just sitting on the table there and I was just like, there we go. What is it, a crocodile or an alligator? Um, how do you tell the difference again? I don't know. Um, as if if the mouth is closed but you can still see the teeth it's a crocodile i don't think that'll work here on this rubber also crocodiles have got more teeth than alligators but i guess you need an alligator to compare to <laughs> it's not branded in the belly or anything is it other than oh, made in china it's an alligator well done Graham. It's an alligator, alligator. See? Yeah, there we go Arr. anyway that's um, cleared that up thank you very much go. so yeah jj72 oxygen a hit despite it being number 23 hit Excellent. It's a miss for Gav. Nah. It's a nah. it's a thumbs up for me. I liked it at the time. I think it's an age thing, isn't it? I think you had to be. Yeah, probably of that sort of era. It's, it's just right in that emo y kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Anyway, so we'll move on. I think we probably should, shouldn't we? That seems like a devastatingly long segue this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> anything to avoid talking about Plane Rangers. Anyway, let's move on because I've got my alligator here with me to talk about your emotional support animal as we yeah. discussed another semi-final at Hamden <laughs> can you imagine what's your emotional support animal it's alligator mate <laughs> taking it to Hamden with me next week <laughs> anyway <Just> uh, <laughs> time to look ahead to next Sunday's via play league cup semi-final as the Dons return to Hamden for the first time since November 2020 looking to secure a return for the final on the 26th of February. Gavin's just rubbing his eyes, looking pained at the thought of doing this already. Oh, I'm just having flashbacks to all my trips to Hamden. This was a good one. Gav is a bit of a jinx, isn't he, as we discovered on this? Yep, yeah, yep, he really yep. is. If anything, for the good of the team, I should really not go, actually. Yeah, it's not a bad idea, Gav. That is a sacrifice I'm prepared to make. And yes, I do say sacrifice. <laughs> of course, standing in our way, of that final in February are Scotland's 
newest top flight team, Sevco 5088 Limited, trading as the Rangers. They come at this game unbeaten under new manager McPhail, fresh off. Sorry, Gav. Yes, that is the Rangers manager, not the newest pub landlord at the Queen Vic. Um, Sevco fresh off a 2 0 win at Tanadice on Sunday afternoon, of course. Teams just met before Christmas at Pataudry with the visitors taking the points after the Dons somehow managed to surrender a 2-1 lead in the last four minutes well, of Adder on time. Well, you say somehow. I mean, I think Kelrus had a fairly big part to play well, in it. that and, you know, sitting deep for the last 35 minutes also somewhat contribute to that, but never mind. Yeah, also Jaden. Yeah. Just Jaden being Jaden. And Tony, Big T, didn't help out much. And either. Big T. Shaden Morris wasn't great either when he came on, but never mind. We did the in-depth analysis of this lot ahead of the game just before Christmas so it seems really churlish to rehash that whole thing again so we're not going to do that Um, even though we do like to flog a dead horse occasionally that might be a step too far what's definitely become quite clear under McBeal is that Sevco are definitely engaging opposition teams much quicker when they're out of possession than they did under Van Bronckhorst they're also definitely moving the ball up the park through the lines a lot quicker than they did as well They've been really heavily reliant. It's been pretty clear in the last few games, certainly on speed in the three players sitting behind the striker. So far, it's mainly been Kent, Tillman and Sakala who've been playing in these roles, sitting behind Morelos. Cholek did start against United on Sunday, but was hooked at halftime from Morelos. So I'd expect we see the Colombian starting at Hamden on Sunday. They've also had a few players to come back into the team following injury, so they do appear now to have settled on a centre-back partnership of... Connor Goldson and Ben Davis. I'm not. I'm not doing that. You're not time. doing it this I'm time. Not, I'm, not, I'm not jinxing those okay. massively for the time being. And then it's either one of um, a player who used to play for Aberdeen or Glenn Kamara partnering John Lindstrom in the centre midfield. Connor Goldson's also been benefiting of late from VAR apparently just turning a blind eye to him deciding to play basketball in the box. That's twice now in the last two games. What are the odds on a hat trick arriving at the national stadium? Do you think, gents? That's a very um conspiratorial tone you're taking there. sorry I'll take my tin hat off <laughs> it's it's confusing because referees and officials have come out and said that I didn't really see what happened at Tanadice but the one against um, who was it in the midweek was it Livingston they were playing oh sorry it was Celtic, Celtic. <laughs> what, what am I talking about Celtic um, people are saying that because he put his hands up to cover his protective face that's fine apparently that counts as being a natural reaction but earlier in the season, Connor Barron had apparently given it against him for the exact same thing from even closer. So um, almost like thing? they make it up. I saw as well, just on someone today, a Rangers fan commented, someone had highlighted the Connor Golds, uh, the Connor Barron one today. It may have been Michael Stewart actually. And he showed the clip, right? And the clip he showed was a slow motion replay of the incident. And a Rangers fan actually said, with all seriousness, that's totally different. Look how slowly the ball's moving towards him. He had plenty of time to do it. And it's like, it's a slow motion replay, you don't. Like, of course it looks slow. At the time, it was fired straight at him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Yeah, um, I, I just love that it feels like they're changing. I love how it feels like they change the rules midway through a season. Well, that's one thing, isn't that's it? That's a penalty and next week. Oh, no, actually that. You know what? Protecting your face like that is okay. I guess that is natural. So move on. let's move on. I saw them talking about it. it. was that It's one of the English refs, isn't it? Down south. I can't remember which one it is. Peter Walton, who they always wheel out on BT Sport. Oh, that useless thought, gobshite. Yeah, but like who never disagrees with anything. What a fucking loser that guy is. <laughs> and they were talking about it. And, and he talked about it. Like, oh, early in the season, yeah, that would have been a pen. But now it's not a pen. It's like, 
how does how is that fair? Like, surely if something's a pen three months ago, it has to be a pen for the rest of the season. If you're going to change the interpretation, it has to happen at the end of the season. Because otherwise you've had teams unfairly penalised for something that's now no longer a penalty kick. It's bizarre. I don't understand this. It does sound bizarre. It almost sounds as bizarre as bringing something like VAR in halfway through a season. Oh, it's been great though, hasn't it? It wasn't so great on Saturday. I had a great time standing in the red shed wondering why nothing was happening for about 10 minutes because our boards don't tell us what's going on. The announcer decides to announce it just as it's happening. It's an absolute shit show, isn't it? Yeah. I can't believe that there's no way they, they can't install something. <laughs> you just fucking put some lights up on the RDS or something, you know, red means they're checking it, green means it's finished or something. <laughs> I don't even know who is, I don't know who does our announcing at the ground anymore. It might still be John Mellis, and if it's John, I apologise. But it felt to me like somebody was like off for the halftime pie when it happened. And then it suddenly popped back down again and we're like, oh, what's going on? Oh shit, do I need to say that? Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, there's a VAR check for offside. Like, at least try and tell the people in the stadium what's going on. Not that it matters through the Pataudry speakers. Oh, you get anyway. Just <laughs> well, that's like, why I'm saying it has to be a visual. <laughs> it has to be a visual representation. There's no point in actually speaking it because, yeah, you're not going to hear anything. <laughs> Someone doing their finest Tom Hardy Bane impersonation. What a lovely, um, lovely day. We're in the darkness. <laughs> Um, <laughs> where were yeah, we? I, I, I still just can't get my head around how we brought in something as game changing as far halfway through the season, so nothing surprises me anymore. Speaking about John Mellis going for a pie, it might not have been John, apologies if it wasn't, but somebody did ask this in the thread where we'd ask for people to give us something to talk about tonight. Um, did anyone try the pie of the month this week? No, didn't try it because it looks horrendous. Um, that and I also just I, the bank won't give me a loan for it <laughs> anyway. Big segue. We we went all Celtic uh, state of mind podcast there for a minute. Apologies. Um, Do we need foreign refs? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that one this week? I saw the headline. And was... We had that, and they were also shit. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what what are we expecting at Hampton? What lessons do you think we can have taken from the recent game at Pataudry? Um, It's a good thing not to give the ball away to opposition teams in their penalty box. <laughs> I don't know if that, that'll catch on. <laughs> we'll see. I hope it does, but I'm not so sure. When Ryan Kent runs at you, it'll probably go one way, so it's worth like trying to tackle him. Um, which is funny, because only God can judge him. How can you judge which way he's going to go? <sighs> see, I'm not even going for that tired old pattern, <laughs> because I just don't want to jinx us in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> uh, if Kel Roos would fancy like diverting shots away from goal rather than straight back at the middle, that would be good. Um I strongly suspect we will shape up to be difficult to score against, difficult to beat, and try and hit them on the counter-attack. And if that's the way we're going to do it, then we need to be a lot better um, with the ball than we were against Celtic. That's all I'll say. And I hope that we I hope that we do make a brave call. And I and I think by that I do think we drop Miofsky and I think we bring Duke into the uh, into the striking role. I just want obviously a victory. But I don't want us. I don't want the Celtic strategy. Ignoring the fact that it was utter garbage, it didn't work. So you can't go to a game like that and do that. And, and I don't know how you, I don't know how you stop this. But should we find ourselves? We're not going to find ourselves in the position we did at Pataudry, as in we're probably not going to be ahead and playing that well. But should we find ourselves in the game? We you know nil nil or whatever, and we're putting them under pressure. 
keep doing what has been causing them problems. This is, you know, the same that you'd want to do in any game. If you're causing the opposition some problems, keep doing that. Don't shit the bed and decide that you should start defending and dropping deeper because invite it doesn't matter who you play, inviting the opposition on is only going to cause you problems. I realise that's really easy to say when you're sitting here and you're not going to be on the pitch. I feel like there's going to be spells in the game where I would expect us to be in the game. I do think we can cause them some problems. I think we have demonstrated that. I know we haven't seen that through over 90 minutes on two occasions now. But I think we've shown there's enough about us that we can get at them and cause them problems. But we just need to believe in ourselves that we can do that and sort of stick with that mindset, if you like. Don't get into this almost like a points good enough type mentality yeah. because that will just come back and, and bite in the arse. I'm not saying I necessarily want us to shape up like Celtic as in that game, but I do suspect that Jim Goodwin will be studying tape of our semi-final win against Rangers those years ago, which was all about, you know, letting them have the ball in front of us, knowing the right times to, to press, and then, yeah, get a set piece, get a counter-attack, and make the most of that. We're also not going to get that lucky, though, because they don't have Omar Sadiq anymore. I was just literally about to say, what are the chances that they would sign Omar Sadiq this week? <laughs> if they could... Well, they couldn't afford Omar Sadiq anymore because he's like tearing up somewhere, isn't he? Well, he's also actually had a massive cruciate ligament injury. He's out for the rest of the season. He got a big move to Real Sociedad from Almeria. Then they will be signing him next. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess in terms of next week, the big concern for me is, you know, Hamden's a big, big, big wide pitch. They've been very focused now since Beal's come in in the pace and behind the striker. Um, Sakala in particular seems to have really come on a game in recent weeks. Kent seems to have kind of picked up his form a little bit. Tillman's been chipping with some goals as well. There's a lot of pace in that three behind the striker. That, for me, feels like it could be very risky on the big wide pitch, that kind of level of pace. I mean, you know, Coulson's pacey at left back. McCrory's no slouch either. Um, but it's the, the kind of balls and the channels, I feel, that, you know, between full backs and centre-halves in particular, I feel could be a bit problematic. Yeah, I think... Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think also to possibly counteract the the pace down the slides. It wouldn't surprise me if Kennedy retains his place. I wouldn't surprise me if Hayes came well, in. Well, that's why I think maybe we do go with Duke up top to play left wing and then Duke will be up top. And then, you know, you can take your pick of Clarkson, Bajau and Shaden Morris. Maybe not Shaden Morris <laughs> in the number 10 role. Gav, you kind of touched on it already. How do you think Goodwin approaches this one? Because this is another big test of his credentials, isn't it? To an extent. I mean, he's been to... He's been to cup semi-finals before with St Mirren, at least to one. Um, I can't think if he made it to two with, with St Mirren, but he certainly went to one with St Mirren and they, they were unsuccessful in that. But after what we saw more recently, in particular the Celtic game, I think that at least against Rangers at Pataudry, we did try to bring it to Rangers in, in that first 60 minutes. The last 30 is a big concern about what happened there, but it's going to be interesting to see how he decides to set up because you know you touched on you know the, the league cup semi final we had against Rangers a few years ago. McInnes did go very defensive against them, uh, and it paid off for us in the end. Uh, we got the goal at the set piece, and we make our way into the final. In a way, in a way, does this feel a bit different? Do, do the fans potentially forgive him taking that sort of approach in a one-off cup game to an extent? If it works, you know you could, you could win, potentially yes. get yourself to nil-nil extra time penalty kicks and you go through there no one's going to care are they really if you get to the final 
and being flippant, no one's going to care if you get there. Yeah. Um, but but people will care I'm, if you turn up negatively and you get beat three or four nil. Yeah, because generally, if you turn up with that mindset, you do get beat. But then on the flip side, if we go there all guns blazing, it torn apart three or four or five, then he'll get ripped apart as well. So. And this is what I mean. It's a big test of his credentials, isn't it? Because he went a bit open at Ibrox and we got done. He went a bit halfway house. I felt at Petodre and we we were we were good for sixty minutes, um, and then it went to shit when we decided to go ultra defensive. It's going to be interesting to see how he goes, isn't it? Like, does he just decide just to, to does he decide just to go? You know what? Fuck it. It's it's a cup semi final. You need to win the game. Let's try and take the game at Rangers. Let's let's go out there and try and take the game to them. You know, I, I've seen us so often now go to Hamden in semi-finals against Celtic, especially in more recent years where we've sat in and tried to do the whole defend for our lives thing, and it doesn't work. And you end up going, oh, I'd rather we just might have had to go. For the reasons just mentioned, that if we go very, very positive and, you know, we're 2-3 down after 30 minutes, I can't see... That to me, no one is going to turn around and say, "Oh well, we had a go." That's just that's just not a thing. Yeah. People will be saying that he was massively naive. He hasn't learned his lesson from Ibrox. He needs to go. He damned if you do, if you damned if you don't. Um, so yeah, I think off the back of the last couple of games, I like I said, he'll be studying that that game, um, the semi final under McInnes. Um, of course, when Beal was in, effectively in charge of Rangers. <laughs> probably going to play the same way I think they will you know play let Rangers have the ball in front of us we will be a bit more tenacious because we've got Shinny and Ramadani now yeah we do have more um, a little bit more presence at the back of McCrory and yeah it'll. Just, I think we'll get Kennedy and Hayes probably in the wide areas to double up and offer even more protection and then yeah it's just when we get the ball we have to we have to make it count um, against Celtic we were just so predictable and so um just lacking in ideas beyond shell it and hope that one of the defenders makes a mistake rangers are not as good i think defensively as celtic are so hopefully we can make something happen and but yeah it's uh i i don't think he if we lose i don't think jim goodwin can win he'll get criticized no matter what way he sets up if we lose you're absolutely right that that I is absolutely I, true. I don't know i think that no, no he will he will um what if we go out and we have a really balanced kind of approach to it and we're tenacious defensively we look dangerous on the break or whatever and we you know we lose out unfortunately or we go out and penalty kicks or something i think he probably comes out of that with credit i don't think i think that's an unlikely scenario yeah, i don't think we'll set up that way i think going for a more cautious approach is fine but you can't go for the celtic approach of don't yeah. cross the halfway line. I think actually what might be really key is the substitutions. And by that, I mean, say you, I don't know, say it's an, on the hour mark and you're in the game. Well, what might swing it will be, does he go defensive and try and see it out? In which case, that's probably not what people want to see. And that probably won't work. Or does he be a bit bolder and say, right, we've, you know, we're sort of, time is ticking down. Now is the time to try and, do something about it. But fundamentally, it's really, really difficult because like Gavin says, unless you win, he's going to be in for some serious heat regardless. I mean, everyone tonight is asking us on Twitter about, you know, do we go Duke's number nine next week? Um, yes. Is Gav saying yes? Um, Graham, I don't know what your view on this is. I don't want us to look negative. I feel like the more guys you've got up front, the more problems you can cause them. Obviously, the trade-off being the more exposed... You are. And actually, if you look at it, as much as it pains me to say, what's the pattern of the game likely to be? It's going to be us under pressure 
and needing an outlet, and Duke's a better outlet than Miofsky. But the likes of a Kennedy or a Hayes gives you outlets up to the wings, and they're both, they will put in a shift to help out the defence. So I, f- I feel like that might actually be the way you end up going. Here's a curveball to this. Do you actually go the complete opposite way, which is you actually take Duke out the starting lineup, which would be an incredibly brave thing to decide to do, because I think from a perception perspective, it looks terrible. But you go with Miofsky up top, you play Hayes off the left, you play Kennedy off the right, you try to get to an hour mark, you try to get to the hour mark, you tell Miofsky you're coming off after 60 minutes no matter what. So I want you just to absolutely knock your pan in for 60 minutes. I want to see you kind of try to be physical, try to rough up the defenders as much as you possibly can, hold the ball up, and then you bring Duke in with 30 minutes to go. It's something It's something completely different to bring to the table because my, my concern with doing it the other way around is it's a big wide pitch at Hamden. Duke spends 60 minutes, 65 minutes chasing hacked long balls around and he's done after 60 minutes and you have to bring him off and then you bring on a Miofsky or you bring on a Ramirez and that plays right into their hands because neither of those two players are going to run the channel. Miofsky will run the channels. We saw it at the weekend. You know He'll run the channels but it's not the same because he's not, not the, same. the same It's not the same explosive power. pace. It's not it, the same power. Yes, exactly. He won't, He's unlikely to get away from yeah. his marker. It's a curveball. I'm not saying it's what no, to do. I can, but do you I can do see where you're... It would be a massively brave call to take the guy out right now. But yeah, if I had if I had seen any evidence to support this thinking that Miofsky could hold the ball up. But just say to him, you just need you just have to go and do it. Well, we don't have another option to do it unless we sign a battering ram in the next week. Well, I mean, well, yeah, because like Graham says, Duke is a better outlet as far as that goes. So um I think if you gave me off that role, then we're just giving the ball back to Rangers a lot. So that would be akin to yeah, that's not a good idea. I'm inclined to agree with Gavin on the basis that an, an hour with no obvious outlet is a long time to soak up pressure. And once they know that there's not really the same threat in behind, presumably they can just push up yeah. further up the pitch. Yeah. And you know, obviously that squeezes us back and makes life even harder than it's probably yeah. already going to be. So but I that's see... when the idea about taking Duke in potentially works, because suddenly you change the yeah, but I don't. In. If we play like that way for an hour, I'm not so sure we'll be in the game to the point we'll make a point of taking them on. Which is which is the part, which yeah. is the problem, which is the absolute Yeah, no, problem. I know what you mean. It's, it is a food for thought. Let's, let's, let's be honest, Miofsky had, like, had like a 10-yard head start on Andy Constantine, and Constantine nearly caught him on Saturday. So in fairness, the ball in behind is I t- not going to I tell you what, Constantine caught Duke in a foot race. So only because Duke let him. <laughs> only because Duke let so, him. Only because Duke's batteries were running pretty low. But that's my point, though. That That is the point. If you get a ball over the top late on in, the, in on Sunday and Duke's already run his race, it's not helping anybody. This is where this is actually where we are struggling with not having another option at the sharp end of the pitch. It's that thing, as Graham says, bringing him on at seventy-five when it's three 0 isn't really going to help us. So no, and this, but this is where the manager's got a big decision to make, isn't it? Does he see himself being in a place where he could get to an hour mark nil nil? There's absolutely no danger Jim Goodwin's not playing Duke from the start. I I tend to agree with that. I don't think he. I don't think he'd be brave enough to drop him. Not drop him. I don't think he'd be brave enough to decide from a tactical perspective. This is how we're going to go. Because I think he would know in the eyes of the support, it would look like a negative thing to do. But it ultimately might actually be the most sensible thing to do. Um, I'm not sure about that. Could play Ramirez in the number ten. 
I don't want Ramirez on that bitch. <laughs> but, I mean, he's. I love. I love Graham. Just how you're. I love just your simplistic brutality. It's amazing. He's nowhere near good enough. He's not strong enough. He doesn't hold the ball up. Doesn't put in the yards to the same extent. It's the LA drug boy you're talking about. <laughs> if he's yeah. on the pitch because we get as far as penalties, probably about okay with that. That's it. I was going to say also, playing for penalties if Kel Roos is your goalkeeper is not a great idea. Could ping Joe Lewis on. I was going to say, you do the old Van Hal and uh, the old Van Hal. about your keeper? <laughs> We're Aberdeen, we'll fuck it up. We'll bring a sub on just before I'll forget to put Lewis to the bench. <laughs> anyway, come on then. Let's um Scottish Cup, Scottish Cup 2000 all over again. But Robbie Winters just come on down. Shaden Morris in the sticks. <laughs> uh, don't joke about shit like that. It might happen. Um <laughs> come on then. Let's venture some predictions for next Sunday. If we win, it's great. If we lose, no matter what we do, Jim Goodwin's the worst. Is that just your view, Kevin? No, that'll just be the view of everyone. Because this whole if we have a go thing, I'll be okay with it. It's just absolute horseshit. Um, prediction? I don't know. I don't know. One no. Two. Ex- extra time. Two. One of the teams. <laughs> Graham? I haven't seen anything under this team and manager to suggest that we can cope with the pressure that's going to come on Sunday, to be honest. I don't see how we're going to... I don't see how we're going to come through this. I take it that Celtic Kilmarnock is on Saturday. It is, yeah. Okay, prediction. Derek McInnes finally vanquishes Celtic at Hamden, and then we shit the bed. Get beat 4-0. <laughs> it's not happening. There's no way McInnes is beating Celtic at Hamden. It's just, it's just not a thing. Mark my words, it's not happening. Kyle Lafferty must be eligible for this game, doesn't he? Isn't he? I don't know. I think he's non uh, non league. Well, I think he was suspended for. He's been suspended for a while now, though. Yes, well, he probably shouldn't have been a big, massive bigot. Should he have? That would have helped matters. I see that. I, I saw that Derek McInnes was having a moan about this, about the length of the ban, and how we should have a think about Kyle Lafferty's mental health about the whole thing. I was like, alter- the alternative take here, Derek, is that Kyle Lafferty could just not be a sectarian fucking idiot, and this wouldn't be a fucking problem. Hashtag. Just saying. It's definitely it's definitely a take. It's definitely a take. Anyway, okay. so for the two of you, Gav's ventured a 1-0 win for somebody after extra time. Yes. But then I've reverted to 4-0 Rangers after Kilmarnock. 4-0 Rangers on the basis that Derek McInnes and Kilmarnock have beaten Celtic at Hamden the night before. Yes. Okay. Through a Kyle Lafferty winner. Cool. Graham just can't see any way <laughs> that we come through this tie. So that's beautifully negative. So it sits with me to sit in fantasy land, I guess. It'll be Aberdeen 3, Rangers 0. Miofsky back in the goal trail with two and then Duke comes off the bench to make it three and we go to play Celtic in the final because there's no way Derek McInnes' team are beating Celtic at Hamden and we shit the bed and get beat in the final but we'll have a go and everyone will say it's okay that's it absolutely and so on that positive note that wraps up this week's episode of the APZ Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow, wherever you do on your podcast player of choice. Join us next week for episode 81, where we're going to try and do something a little bit different to review the semi-final with Sevco. And we're going to try to look at the Hearts game as well, hopefully in the company of Joel Sked from a view from the terrace. We'll sort that out during the week. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Stand free.
This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. <laughs> 